On March 16, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alamine, a Muslim leader and former black power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. So I went and talked to my supervisor and, and another one of my bosses and said, here's a crazy request from the L.A. City Attorney's Office, the lead city attorney, Paul Piquet. And I said, something's going on here. Um, first of all, I don't have any interest in polygraph and David Mack, and I'm not going to be able to get these other four guys to take polygraphs because what would be the point of something like that anyways? Um, so anyways, I, uh, I, went, I got back to Paul Piquet, and I said, you know what? Appreciate the uh, the offer, what have you, but at this point, um, we're not interested. If something were to change, then, uh, you know, I'll get back to you. And he says, okay. Come to find out, in sworn depositions under oath, David Mack himself admitted that he, this was, he never came up with this idea. This was something that Paul Paquette came up with and associated it with, the Dave, with David Mack saying it was a request of his. David Mack says, no, that's bullshit. Uh, that's a lie. That never happened. Paul Paquette himself finally admitted that this was a ruse that he completely made up and the city attorney's office completely made up for the sole reason that they knew for a fact that, that David Mack would not get polygraphed by the FBI. But they wanted to be able to state that they were going to use this against me where if I were to ever testify in this civil suit, they would be able to try to discredit me saying like, here David Mack was, was offering to take a polygraph and you, Agent Carson, decided not to do it, probably because you would be afraid of what David Mack would, would come across as being truthful that he was involved in this. When I was given the documents that I'm currently going through in these episodes, I didn't go through them right away. There was a reason for that and it was simple. I had in my possession close to 2,000 pages of the FBI investigation into Biggie. So most of my reporting and time was spent with the FBI documents. And for you to fully understand the dynamics of the murder and where there is evidence, it really is twofold. There was Phil Carson's investigation in those documents, and then there are civil trial documents given to me by Sergio Robledo, the private investigator for the Walls family. The next piece of information and one of the moments where I realized the importance of these documents was by chance. It really was a fluke. I was skimming the documents towards the end of the production of Dossier Season 1 when I came across a paragraph that changed everything. In January of 2001, the LAPD itself instituted a formal internal affairs investigation bearing LAPD internal affairs number CF010190. And there's an exhibit of this. So there's an actual printed copy of this somewhere. In this internal affairs report, the LAPD itself 
alleges that Mack and Perez conspired to murder and assisted in the murder of Mr. Wallace. The IA was assigned to the Rampart Corruption Task Force, the same task force investigating the criminal connection between Mac Perez and other LAPD officers. So what that just tells you is there is an actual internal affairs report that the LAPD generated themselves that said Mac and Perez were a part of this murder. Is that staggering to you? (laughs) That's mind blowing. First of all, they're correct. But second of all, I've never seen that. Inside the document, here's what the lawyer stated. The Wallace family received discovery in the civil trial in April of 2006. The LAPD itself alleged that Mac and Perez were involved in the Wallace homicide. The city attempted to block all discovery at the civil trial into who had been aware of this Mac and Perez vital information or who was in possession of these documents. The sequence of events and persons who knew about the internal affairs report at the time when the city was opposing the plaintiff's prior motion for default on the innocent Detective Katz theory are as follows. In January of 2001, the LAPD instituted a formal internal affairs investigation bearing LAPD internal affairs number CF010190, labeled in the document Exhibit 14. In this IA, the LAPD itself alleged, and I say this once again, this might be the most explosive piece of information that has never been exploited. David Mack and Perez conspired to murder and assisted in the murder of Biggie. This IA was assigned to the Rampart Corruption Task Force, the same task force investigating the criminal connection between Mack, Perez, and other LAPD officers. It was initially assigned to be handled by Lieutenant Emmanuel Hernandez and Stan Nalwaco. This paragraph above is the sole reason I'm recording these episodes of the dossier. The FBI, in conjunction with the LAPD, we came up with this Rampart Federal Investigation Team, RAMFIT. And what it did was, is I think there were approximately 40 uh, LAPD detectives <clears throat> that uh, put in and requested to be part of this task force. They pared it down to, I believe, five or six. And then there were five or six FBI agents, one of them was me, that got paired up with each of these uh, LAPD detectives. And then we were assigned, there were so many cases, there were so many um, LAPD police officers that potentially could have been involved in part of this whole Rampart scandal. Uh, It was very voluminous. And so each of the five or six teams, the one FBI, one LAPD person, we would get assigned several of these different cases and we would do our investigation um, on those. I've said a few names throughout the first three episodes, but starting now is where I will start to tell you in exacting detail the individuals within the LAPD who covered up Biggie's murder per the documents. A lot of these people are still living, still working for the city of LA, or the LAPD, and at any time can come forward and give information about what they knew and when they knew it 
Any of these individuals could also clear their conscience. Stan Nalueco was an LAPD detective who was assigned to the Rampart Corruption Task Force, and he was also assigned to the City of LA's Risk Management Division and the Rampart Risk Management Division. The investigation of the Mac Wallace Murder IA proceeded for a year, from January of 2001 to January of 2002. Numerous LAPD officers, including Detective Steve Katz and Brian Tyndall, were aware of the investigation. I was told a number of things about Tyndall, one being he uh, was caught with a bunch of cloned cell phones at a certain point, and he became sort of one of Bernard Parks's like pet projects. And secondarily, later on down the road, Tyndall becomes a part of the homicide team with Greg Cading. A weird coincidence that he's the one that takes that gun in that initial search warrant. It's funny how, you know, people like to say conspiracies or whatever, but a lot, like you said, a lot of times it just is what it is. And right. it's unbelievable. And you know who I think is on the case right now, who has the, the case right now? Who's that? Brian Tyndall. <laughs> well, <laughs> let me put it this way. Kendall's lucky that because his name was all over stuff in Rampart, and that guy got a free pass. I'll flat out, no question about it, he got a free pass out of that, as did a lot of these LAPD officers. Again, I don't want to overwhelm you with names, but Steve Katz was the main homicide investigator who was given the Biggie case inside the LAPD. Brian Tyndall, on the other hand, is an LAPD lifer who worked alongside Katz at various points. So backing up a bit, Detectives Malwako, Detective Katz, and Detective Tyndall all possess information and evidence to this case. But those guys are just the tip of the iceberg. I wrote up a document. My bosses signed it. We sent it over to LAPD and to specifically Detective Katz saying we not only want to see all the photos um, of your murder book, but specifically the photo that was shown Big Gene where he was standing next to who we believe is Amir Muhammad outside of Puffy's car when, uh, uh, when Big Gene brandished his gun and that um, Amir Muhammad, who we believe was Amir Muhammad, that his face was blurred out. And they stated that that photo doesn't exist. And I'm like... You gotta be fucking kidding me. We've seen it, guys. Come on. And to this day, I mean, they just they just denied that they had that photo. In January of 2002, the Mac Wallace murder IA was illegally adjudicated because of insufficient evidence. A finding which is not permitted under the federal consent decree that the LAPD was under at the time. Not to get in the weeds here, but I need to once again let you hear what a consent decree is and what it actually does. A consent decree is basically you're telling the LAP and the city of LA, you guys can't police yourselves. So we're going to have to send in these people to basically uh, to run the show and to over oversee everything that's going on there because apparently you guys have lost control of your police department. That's what a consent decree. And I believe at the time 
when uh, when this took place with the LAPD and the city of LA that it was the largest consent decree ever in the, in the nation. Immerse yourself in the fascinating tale of Song of Solomon by the legendary Pulitzer Prize winning author, Toni Morrison, a mesmerizing coming of age masterpiece that has captivated readers around the world. Follow the protagonist, Milkman Dead, who was born shortly after a neighborhood eccentric hurled himself off a roof in a vain attempt at flight. For the rest of his life, Milkman too will be trying to fly. As Morrison follows Milkman on a quest to uncover his roots and himself in his Rust Belt hometown, to the place of his family's origins, she introduces an entire cast of strivers and seeresses, liars, and assassins, the inhabitants of a fully realized black world. As the New Yorker put it, Morrison moves easily in and out of the lives and thoughts of her characters, luxuriating in the diversity of circumstances and personality. Whether you're a seasoned reader or new to Toni Morrison, Song of Solomon is a must-read that will ignite your imagination and leave you wanting to read more Morrison. Song of Solomon, a timeless tale that will stay with you long after you've turned its final page. Available now at TonyMorrison.com and wherever books are sold. All right, so life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day, or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to 100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So maybe you need to get your kids something special or you and the wife Need a scintillating night out every once in a while, at least. So download Earn In Today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in the dossier under podcast. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com forward slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. For lack of a better word, at the time of the Biggie investigation in the civil trial, the Justice Department was crawling inside the LAPD with a fine-tooth comb. The city and LAPD knew that if they did not follow the consent decree, the police department would have many more problems or heads would roll. In the documents on page 12, a name is mentioned, and I've not been able to connect the dots on that name yet. That name is Commander Stuart Maslin. From what I gather, Maslin has always been a part of the command staff of the LAPD. At the time of the legal filings, 
Maslin was head of internal affairs, which makes the most sense. Stuart Maslin is commanding officer of internal affairs, which investigates alleged misconduct. Commander, good to have you on our program. Oh, thank you very much. Nice to be here. Well, now, at the moment, the disciplinary process, uh, when it leads to adjudication of some kind, as I understand it, has never actually uh, come up uh, and, and uh, convicted an officer of uh, what you refer to as biased uh, policing. Why would the officer then not do that and go instead to mediation? Well, while there may not have been a sustained complaint against an officer, uh, a complaint that's not resolved or if it's adjudicated as insufficient evidence to adjudicate, meaning we didn't have enough information at all to really adjudicate it, it still goes on the officer's record. Yeah. It can still be looked at if they get future complaints. If something is sustained in the future, it can actually be looked at and used as a pattern of conduct to increase a possible penalty. On June 29th of 2005, the court ordered the city of LA to produce all of the internal affairs files regarding Mac and Perez. Then on July 1st of 2005, approximately 14 to 16 pages regarding Mac, including the Mac Wallace IA, were removed for some reason from internal affairs by something called the LAPD Risk Management. Now, this officer in risk management, his name was Sal Piscopo, and these documents were concealed in a cabinet inside of risk management. I touched on this fact a little bit in Dossier Season 1, but again, why are LAPD officers and officials doing anything to conceal documents? Under a consent degree, it should be the opposite. Transparency is the key. Why aren't they using these documents to reopen the case? Or by law, why aren't they providing these documents to the Wallace family and their lawyers? Sal Piscopo was the assistant to the city of LA trial attorneys against the Wallace family. So this is starting to add up. In August of 2005, LAPD Civilian Deputy Chief Gerald Chalif issued an order to all LAPD personnel to search their workspaces for any documents or other items relating to the murder of Biggie and forward the items to the Wallace Discovery Task Force. What a great name. So that they could produce these documents to the Wallace family and company, which they just didn't do. But if you ask me, this was the LAPD closing ranks. This was the LAPD putting documents they know had proof of the murder into a cabinet where the documents could then be controlled. While telling this story, I must get granular and I have to dot every T and cross every I at this point. At the bottom of page 12 of the legal filing, there are three footnotes with information. And these pieces of information would give any reader context. In the notes are names and their historical significance to this case. Lieutenant Emmanuel Hernandez is the individual who former LAPD robbery homicide detective Russell Poole testified, gutted his initial report to former LAPD chief Bernard Parks, regarding the connection between David Mack and the homicide. Some of our officers and working off duty began, they were heavily involved in the whole hip hop culture, providing security uh, for many of the rappers that were involved with other kinds of crimes. These things began to reflect a completely different 
view of some of our personnel than we had before. Perez is a good friend of David Max. Uh, both were good friends of Gaines. And I think the picture reflected that we had some people on this department that were uh, in a coordinated effort involved in some very serious criminal uh, misconduct. The other-sided information gets further into the chain of command of the LAPD in the controlling of evidence and information. This is me naming names again and making it very fucking clear. Detective Steve Katz and Brian Tyndall were in fact interviewed as witnesses in the Mac Wallace IA and other LAPD personnel who participated and were aware of the existence of these files from 2001 to the present include, but is not limited, to Commander Stuart Maslin, Captain Kevin McCarthy, Lieutenant John Duncan, Lieutenant Emmanuel Hernandez, Lieutenant John Cook, Sergeant Dan Randolph, Detective Stan Nalueco, Detective Tony Pascule, Detective Tom Witch, Officer Samuel Martin. Those are the names. If this was a criminal trial, which it should be, these names would be the co-conspirators in the cover-up. And again, I will add one last name, and that is the current chief of police, Michael Moore. His name appears at the bottom of page 12 with the list that I just stated. Over the course of my career, I've witnessed shining moments and sacrifice by LAPD officers, demonstrating great heroism, professionalism, and compassion. I've also witnessed deeply disturbing instances of excessive force, a lack of compassion or reverence for human life. Instances in which we did not live up to our values or the expectations of the people we protect and serve. The video capturing a fatal confrontation between Minneapolis police officers and George Floyd and the aftermath of civil unrest are both disturbing and a sobering reminder of the fragile relationships we have with our communities we serve. I understand, hear, and feel the frustrations of Angelinos as well as other Americans. I join you in your concerns about reports of excessive force and officers who go beyond the confines of their training or the law. If the city of LA and the attorneys who represented the interests of the LAPD had any moral compass, or if they had any feelings of being right and just, someone within that list of names would have come forward and gone on the record. The documents reflect that they all also knew that there was long hidden information which supported Mac and Perez's gang affiliation, Mac and Perez's association with Suge Knight and Death Row Records, and evidence supporting their presence at the scene of Biggie's murder. They knew all the information they were hiding supported the Wallace's family theory of the case. The city of LA's attempt to stop discovery in the civil trial and proceed right to trial without handing over the above information was clearly motivated to keep all of its sins secret and to keep from the court the abundance of evidence that has been concealed. Some of the photos that I originally saw in the LAPD uh, murder file as well as did another FBI agent that was with me and then they somehow disappeared yeah. from the murder file and we then documented that we not only saw these pictures but um, a signed letter from my supervisor uh, to Katz and the LAPD specifically asking to see any photos, but in particular, these certain photos that we had seen um, 
and we never got and, and cats denied ever ever having those um I'm just curious if yeah. those photos were were taken out of the murder we know they were taken out of the murder book but were they stashed as part of these documents that were being hidden by cats because we, we never got an answer we just were told no those photos that you saw um uh outside the Peterson that uh you know that that showed um you know that had Matt Perez Amir uh, Big Gene, uh, Puffy, that uh, that those photos didn't exist when, <laughs> which is just ridiculous because we know they existed. We saw them. The information contained in the last few minutes of this audio, it's not legal conjecture or nuance. It is lying. It is covering up. It is a defining piece of information that gives the Wallace family every reason to refile this case. This information. Also, if found out at trial in the civil case, would have won the Wallace family hundreds of millions of dollars. The sadness I still have reading these names, the sadness I still have that these actual files exist, not only within the LAPD, but with all the city attorneys, makes me reflect on just how corrupt our country is when it comes to justice. I guess when I did season one, I had optimism that my journalism, the courage of Phil Carson, would move the needle, but it didn't, so here I am trying again. Now starting on page 15 of the document, this is where all the evidence is listed down in a bulletproof manner inside the document. And if you think a document that was created by the LAPD that stated Mack and Perez were part of a murder was staggering. Wait till you hear the additional 15 items that were never chased down, that were never examined. The evidence was just buried. It was ignored. Next time on The Dossier.